You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, markets really have been on a roller coaster ride this week. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq uh, have had daily average moves of 1.6 and 2% respectively. And uh, we've seen the Chicago Board Options Exchange CBOE volatility index uh, has cooled down slightly from the highs that it reached on Tuesday, but it still remains uh, rather elevated. Not surprising given uh, the news developments over the last few days from President Trump's COVID diagnosis to him returning to the Oval Office and then his tweet announcing an end to stimulus talks the next day and then urging Congress to pass a targeted piecemeal package. Uh, We ended the day down 0.3%, but globally, markets fared... uh A little better over in Europe. uh, We saw the DAX end up just uh, over 1% uh, or under 1% higher, I should say, 0.97% on Germany's DAX. The FTSE 100, 0.78%. The CAC 40 in France, 0.7%. And uh, US markets at the open uh, have given back a little. The Dow's come back from around a half a percent at the open, currently at uh, 0.2%. The S&P 500, 0.6%. And the NASDAQ, uh, 0.4%. Martin Smith, Portfolio Manager at Anchor Cap. Capital and Nadir Tolkien, Portfolio Manager at uh, Korean Capital, have uh, your view from the market. Nadir, it's a lot for investors and traders to digest with less than four weeks to Election Day. And uh, even before that, we've got uh, earnings season kicking off next week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Evening, Michael. Evening to your listeners. There, there, there is plenty to digest. And, uh, you know, we have certainly seen volatility roaring back, uh, you, you know, after a, a big recovery in Q2 and Q3. Um, of this year overall, we saw markets having historically strong two quarters in a row. Uh, we have seen certainly a big return to volatility kind of towards the back end of September um, and leading into October, really on the back of geopolitical tension. The China trade wars, and particularly within the tech space, is not going away with the U.S. Um, obviously, there's the upcoming elections and President Trump shenanigans. And, um, you know, we all watched that first debate, which was a mess. And President Trump saying you may not step down. You, you may not step down. Um, if he loses the election, he may be contesting the results. Um, and, you know, over and above that, we still got earnings coming out later this week and a stimulus package. And the market seems to be fixated on um, the need for ongoing fiscal stimulus. I mean, we saw the impact of those fiscal stimulus packages um, on discretionary spending within the U.S., um, you know, over Q2, Q1, Q and, and Q2 of this year. You know, we saw, for example, Walmart had bumper quarters on the back of consumers having more money in their pockets. Um, so the market has come to expect that uh, we need ongoing fiscal stimulus to hold up consumption and to boost company yep. earnings where we've seen a massive re-rating. And that ultimately remains a big question and the source of much of the volatility. On, on that point, Martin, to bring you in, uh, it is becoming more evident that fiscal stimulus remains a top priority for markets. Uh, and I think uh, few doubt that a new package is coming. <clears throat> Timing is the most critical aspect. What do you uh, expect to happen here? Because the longer it takes, uh, the more businesses will shut down and the more jobs be laid off. Absolutely correct, Michael. And what I think is, if we look at the way Donald Trump has <clears throat> hung his hat in terms of his uh, run as president, is around uh, the economy and the market and how well that has performed. And I can't see a reason why a stimulus package wouldn't be agreed before the elections in just over a couple of weeks' time. So I think we'll see something sooner rather than later, because again, that's bad for the economy, it's bad for the markets, and Donald Trump has time and time again 
hung his hat on how well the markets are done and how well the U.S. economy is done. So I think we will see something being pushed through shortly. Obviously, the $2.4 trillion uh, package was tabled by the Democrats last week. And, and again, I think it's maybe Donald Trump uh, being Donald Trump and using his uh, negotiating tactics, which he has done, or not necessarily negotiating tactics, his, his kind of Donald Trump tactics maybe is, is, is a better way to put it, <laughs> to kind of uh, put things on hold for right now. But I, I, I can't see it um, not happening um, before the election. His Trumpian tactics. Uh, the FOMC yeah. minutes, uh, the Fed Open Market Committee minutes, also uh, released last night, acknowledging that interest rates are going to remain near zero uh, for years to come. But the U.S. bond market reacted uh, with disappointment, pushing ten-year yields towards zero point eight percent. Nadia. Yeah, look, uh, you know, Michael. I think the biggest issue is that the market has come to expect that interest rates are going to remain on hold until at least twenty twenty-three. That was kind of indicated by the Federal Reserve at their last FOMC, committee, uh, FOMC meeting. Um, so there's no real new news saying that uh, interest rates are going to remain low for a while. Uh, the Federal Reserve kind of not indicating any new stimulus measures, not indicating any new bond buying programs. Um, and, you know, the market has come to become pretty much addicted to this stuff, um, you know, especially when we've seen the level of multiple re-rating that we've seen over the last two quarters. So I think a bit of disappointment around uh, no, uh, no kind of new, uh, incrementally new news from a, from a monetary stimulus side. Um, and at the same time, you know, when you couple that with uh, the, the, the fiscal stimulation, which, uh, you know, hopefully will happen, um, you know, to, to kind of boost the, the, the world's largest economy. This is kind of, it's, it's resulting in a bit of nervousness in global markets. And, mm. uh, you know, the, it's almost seen as a hawkish stance from the Federal Reserve, even though it's far from hawkish in absolute oh. terms. I think it's hawkish in relative terms. And, you know, I think that's what's really driving no, it. It just shows you the kind of uh, Alice in Wonderland world we're living in, uh, where the market has become so... Uh, used to outsized uh, stimulus in the form of uh, monetary or fiscal stimulus. Uh, but Martin, I want to bring you in now into the commodity market side uh, of the story at the moment, uh, and that is very much around oil. Um, higher again today by 1.5%, Brent crude that is, at $42.42 a barrel, and that's as Hurricane Delta is set to make landfall on the Gulf Coast by uh, tomorrow. I see more than 180 offshore facilities have been evacuated. One and a half million barrels of output. Um, however, I think it's the demand side of the equation that's surely like to be more in, more in focus here. What do you expect uh, to happen in oil markets from here? I think we've reached a new normal in terms of 40 to 45, potentially $50 uh, being the oil price going forward. I think the days of uh, $60 oil prices um, are, are far beyond us. And I think the world's adjusting to that. And like you said, in terms of the demand side of things, we're also adjusting and waiting to see how the world unfolds post-COVID, post-lockdown. And uh, to your point earlier around third, uh, third quarter earnings, it's also going to be interesting to see what happens there, which ties into your, your, um, your points around output and demand and all those things. Because interestingly enough, in the second quarter, we had uh, a massive outperformance, the most outperformance uh, in terms of or earnings beat, sorry, since 2006. So I think there's a lot of wait and see. And we, we can see it with earnings revisions. We can see that with, with the oil price and from the demand side. So I, I think a lot of it from the demand side is going to be a wait and see how things unfold. But in terms of the oil price, I think we're at a new normal at the 40 to $45 uh, dollar mark. 
And speaking of demand, Nadir, it seems like uh, demand for uh, Spurs uh, restaurant offerings in the QSR space is starting to improve, starting to bounce back uh, in some categories, maybe a little quicker than the market was expecting. Uh, on the back of this trading statement, uh, the share price up 7% today. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, I, you know, Michael, I think that's the issue with these shares that have been beaten down so much. You know, you get marginally, incrementally slightly better news and you see them uh, starting to gap higher, um, you know, and, and, and move higher quite aggressively. So, so up today, look, if you look at the numbers, um, you, you're talking about year on year in May, uh, kind of uh, restaurant sales at per restaurant down 18%. That improves slightly year on year in June. Um, to kind of high single-digit, dec- uh, uh, sorry, high single-digit decline. Um, and if you look at the Rocco Mamas franchise, that kind of at about a 30% decline year, year and year. So, so, you know, I think it was still declined year and year, much smaller than the market expected. Um, I think that's probably a, a positive sign that we are seeing a return to some sort of normality in South Africa, even if, though we remain under some level of uh, COVID restrictions. And um, hopefully this uh, kind of translates into uh, just an ongoing improvement in economic activity. Still very early days, uh, and but positive signs for these for, for, for spur, and you can see what uh, people in South Africa enjoy eating. Uh, the Spur steak ranches are at 72% of the uh, September 2019 turnover. Hussar Grill, uh, great franchise at uh, 93.7%, so almost back to normal. Uh, Rocker Mummers, uh, 86.5%. South Africans love their burgers. Pizza and pasta, slower, 63.2%. Uh, PSG Consult, Martin, uh, is... Uh, declaring dividends in this environment. Wow. <laughs> no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right there. I had to check, uh, I had to check my screen a couple of times. But uh, yeah, positive result and one that we can kind of expect in terms of the segmental breakdown of it. Asset management business not doing as well as the wealth side of things because we've seen a, a kind of flurry of, of cash into, into uh, uh, personal share portfolios and fixed income and clients taking money offshore. But essentially, if we look at this, it's, it's, it's a geared play on the South African uh, uh, JSE. So is it one that I'd be getting involved in, even though there is a dividend? I'd probably go for something more on the lines of coronation. I think it's slightly cheaper than PSG Consult. And in terms of catching flow, should we have that emerging market rally, which I think a lot of us are hoping for when the world seems a little bit more normal and the US elections are, are, are in the background, and COVID has some kind of resolution, um, I think we're going to get some kind of emerging market rally. And I think something like Coronation will get will catch more flow than something like PSG. And again, it's slightly cheaper. And essentially, they are both get plays on the SA, uh, the SA market. And uh, that's why it was down 1.4% uh, in the market today as well. And, and then I just want to skip ahead to Raubix. Uh, and what I found interesting, Nadia, in the trading update from Raubix uh, wasn't the fact that it's taken a smack because contracts uh, were frozen due to COVID. We all expected that. But the fact that Sanrel has finally awarded uh, that 1.5 billion rand contract uh, that had been up in the air for the longest time. And I think it's an important leading indicator here because Sanwell is one of the better-run state-owned enterprises, that we may be seeing a, a, a thawing of that logjam of uh, tender awards that we need to see when it comes mm. to infrastructure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Michael. And if you look at the share price reaction, I think the market will probably concur with what you're saying. I mean, again, the share price up 
um, over 5%. And just speak again to my point earlier about, you know, the delta in some of these shares, even just a marginally improving environment. So, you know, I think you're quite right. Probably is a leading indicator of uh, some of the thawing out of the logjam of infrastructure projects. It's actually something that Ramaphosa has placed placed a lot of emphasis on um, in the economic recovery plan of South Africa and tried to work in a lot of uh, private-public partnerships, um, you know, crowd in public, uh, you, you know, financing and uh, private sector skills to try and get some infrastructure spend to get the economy going again and create some sort of aggregate demand and, you know, pull the economy up by the bootstraps. And these kind of projects certainly do help. Um, if you think about the JSE, Robex plays into that space. Um, AECI plays into that space through one of their divisions, much as folks. Um, so, you know, I think there'll be a lot of shareholders and management teams in those kind of businesses that are breathing a sigh of relief. Um, although it's still very early days, Michael, and um, we're going to have to wait and see how the story develops, but certainly a positive yep. development there with the awarding of that one and a half billion rand contract. One swallow and all that, uh, but I, I tend to uh, err on the side of cautious optimism on this one. Nadia Tolkien, Portfolio Manager at uh, Korean Capital, and Martin Smith, Portfolio Manager at Anchor, with your view from the market.